0: Welcome to the second season of the Mastering the Mind podcast, where we will now be exploring the exciting and fast growing world of esports. We will be interviewing a variety of professional esports players, coaches, and stakeholders in order to better understand the psychological demands of competing at the elite level and the important role the mind plays in esports performance. Today, we welcome Harris Hade Hadzic to the podcast. Hade is a Norwegian professional CSGO player. Hade
1: most recently played for 777 Esports, but has previously played for teams such as Dignitus, Nordavin, Kingpins Esports, Norwich, and ICSU. Some of his main achievements have been taking first place at Eden Arena, Malta Vibes, winning 25k, and first place at loot.bet. Smack my beach cup, winning ten grand with NordVPN. So let's welcome How Harris to the podcast. How you doing, guys? Oh, good. This is our first time doing a uh, like. We're both in the same setup.
0: John- oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm visiting. i in the UK for for a week. So uh, so we thought it'd be a good idea to switch it up a bit. Instead um, of cool. doing two different laptops, we just said, let's just get together. Oh.
2: <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Awesome. Yeah, it's
1: nice. A unique episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's we, good we hope that in the future we have like a studio where we can do more in-person ones because i feel like uh it'd be pretty cool that's yeah true.
2: for sure for sure for sure yeah
1: and, uh, how have you been
2: all good all good uh, just relaxing at home it's a kind of cold in norway so i've been just warming up yeah. um throwing in some uh, f- making a fire you know i'm doing all these manly stuff uh, that i didn't do when i lived uh, with my mom and my dad so uh, yeah. becoming an adult now so yeah
0: nice we've come back from sweden like recently and yeah i must say like in scandinavia <laughs> it is cold it's a different yes. like, cold. it's a different
2: yeah it's like it's biting like in every everything freezes like your nose when you're breathing everything when it's horrible
1: oh it, it snowed we got the snow experience uh, oh. i was quite glad that it happened like the full experience but i was having to like uh, carry my suitcase <laughs> through like a couple inches of snow yeah <laughs> basically just carrying it on a 15 minute walk it was uh,
2: horrible yeah, i yeah, think yeah. i think actually there was like a, not, not a snowstorm when you guys were in sweden but it was like a pretty heavy downfall it came to Norway as well because we're quite quite close so we got it as well no,
1: yeah we went to dreamhack uh our first, our first sort of LAN event that we've ever been to uh, cool cool really good experience yeah.
2: nice nice
1: have you ever been to a dreamhack
2: uh, no, actually, I have not been to a, to a Dreamac, no. I, I want, wanted to, uh, one year was uh, was supposed to, but uh, I think it was the first year when COVID was. Dreamac winter or something, yeah. we couldn't go, so.
0: Yeah, man. I think there was a lot of hype for this one. I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure it's the first, maybe it's the first one back since COVID. Maybe yeah, it, could them, be,
2: but, it could be, could um, be. They're, they're always so popular, the Dreamacs. Yeah. Really popular, yeah.
0: Busy. Like, the yeah, I can imagine. uh I guess all the locals were coming down, and you know, kids that have, School on the weekend, so that's oh yeah. Cool. Saturday was like so busy. Friday was like quite a nice day where yeah a lot of
1: people had already set up and um uh, yeah not many kids were there at the time and
2: yeah
1: yeah it was just good to experience it. But then on the Saturday everyone was running around and
2: yeah all the parents crazy. with their kids as well. You know it's crazy. I can imagine.
0: It's a bit claustrophobic. Yeah, wasn't <laughs>
2: <Yeah.
0: laughs> it crazy? Like people coming all the way to Sweden. Like I know there's some locals and people can drive down. But yeah. they come with, like, their PC in their suitcase. I'm like, the risk uh, must take. Yeah. Put it in the suitcase. And, yeah. There's be- no way
2: I would do it just, like, to yeah. be there for fun. There's no chance. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, cool. I-
0: I actually saw a picture of someone like opening up their suitcase and their PC being completely smashed. So, oh, it can happen. So uh, it has to come in the hand luggage with me. <laughs> <It's not laughs>
1: nice. Yeah,
2: don't trust anybody. Imagine you, the guys when they put in your flight, like in your plane or something, just throwing it in. You know,
1: I can just imagine that. And, uh, yeah, not risk it. No,
2: for but sure.
1: Yeah. And that was a good experience. We we always we were saying like we would have loved to have been playing. We played in the free play area a bit.
2: Yeah.
1: We'd love to actually experience it one time just going in the in the Yeah. Uh,
2: it's so much fun, guys. You should try it. For sure. Yeah.
1: But no, let um let's talk a bit more about you then. Uh, yeah, sure. A great place we like to start our podcast. We start every podcast like this. And for the listeners to get to know you a bit better, is sort of talk us through your journey to date. So growing up, how you got into gaming, your journey of gaming to where you are now, you know, who is Harris Hadzik?
2: Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I'm just a normal guy from, from Norway. Um, uh, my parents uh, came from Bosnia. Um, uh, they came to Norway in, uh, after the war. Uh, I was born here the only guy in my family actually that's born in Norway so I'm the only Norwegian one they call me the Norwegian Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so I grew up with them here a perfect small little town like only 5,000 people Uh, you know the best place in the world to grow up to be honest Um, surrounded by friends close by and everything and and I had a brother who was really into computer games and you know it's this is the most standard one in 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 CS is your bigger brother plays it and you watch at him and you think like oh I really want to try this you know uh-huh. and he's like no get off my pc it's like my <laughs> my my time <laughs> like he was a lot older than me so i when he was um sometimes i would fake that i was sick so i could play on his pc when he, when he was in school yeah. um but yeah i picked it up from him uh from a very young age i think i was like maybe nine or ten um just playing a little bit and uh, enjoying it a lot i think it was maybe the competitive side and like seeing progress in your in your abilities and stuff mm-hmm. which really like triggered me because like i I play a lot of video games now even nowadays like warzone pubg and stuff and i, I feel the same like i did when when i played the um, counter-strike it's the the feeling of achieving achieving something and like learning to be better at the game mm-hmm. and, and stuff like this so um, I, I had a great um, uh, great childhood with a lot of a lot of fun I played a lot of sports as well, where the competition as well was was the main thing for me. Always was competition. I love to compete. So, so yeah, that's basically me up until now. I'm still doing it, playing playing video games and enjoying myself. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. And in terms of like, I'm really curious in terms of getting into sort of competing in esports. What did your th- sort of parents think of the, that? You know, because older generation they might not understand oh. esports, for example. Like for example, oh. myself, my parents when I gamed, they were like, yeah, two hours maximum and then you're off, you know. Um they didn't really understand the value of, of gaming and competing. So yeah, tell yeah, I me think... more about their sort of perception on
2: Yeah, I think um that was the biggest problem for me. Um I think my mother realized um we had like this conversation with our teacher once in school and she said, How does this English is so good? Like how does he has have this English? And um well I said I just played a lot of video games and she was like um my mother couldn't really like believe it or like figure yeah. out how because my mom c- can't even speak English. But okay. uh, obviously, I have parents who you know who my father stayed down there when the war was, and my mother came with with my brother and sister. So you can imagine, you know, they're fleeing from war, and their son is basically just playing video games, shooting yeah. people. um So it was really tough for her in the beginning. Mostly because she also wanted me to, like, get a degree and, like, get a job. Like, she wanted me to become a lawyer, a doctor, you know. that's like, Mothers always think, like, the best, you know. They want you to, to yeah. secure your own future and all of these things. Um, so it took me quite a while, but it was good. I used it, like, as motivation because she – it's not that she doubted me, but she just wanted the best for me, you know. Uh, yeah. My father wasn't really that obsessed about it. Of course, he was always saying, like, when are you going to go to school again? And because I took, a, I took a year off after I finished um, – uh, well I turned 19 I don't know what you call it in english uh, for us is when you finish uh, before you go to university basically yeah I was finish uh, college. yeah they finished call yeah 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 so I just <laughs> asked her can you give me one one shot like give me give me a year okay. uh, I just want a year off and I want to try to get like to be a professional because it was difficult uh, i think the time was 2018 that was when I like fully put 12 hours a day just playing grinding trying to get a contract um and 2018 came and went by and I think I, I promised my mother every year around New Year's that I would like um, apply for schools and stuff, for university, because she wanted me to have that, you know, in case it didn't work out, then I had to go to school, you know. Um, so I I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll just search on everything. Like, I, I really didn't like anything, like nothing appealed to me. but But yeah, I got into a couple of studies and I chose just like history for a year. Okay. I started it because I didn't get a contract. And I think two weeks into the into the study. I bought books and everything. And uh, I got a call from, um, well, the top dogs in Norway then, uh, Nordavin, which is now um, a Brazilian team, uh, zero, zero nation uh, with my first professional contract, you know, and that Mm -hmm. was when I, uh, it was a nice moment because I, I remember I I took the papers and I didn't tell mother my mom and I went and printed out the papers because I got it digitally, so I printed it out and I put it on the table and I said mom I made it. Yeah. What, what was uh, that
1: feeling like for you then?
2: It was really nice because um, it was not like I carried any like I want to prove them wrong. It was just like I want to show them that I actually can do it. You know. Um, it was really nice. My father also couldn't I believe it? he was reading stuff and it was like playing video games and you're getting a salary and everything and he was like yeah. what is this like is this real they, they they basically didn't know that this world even existed to be honest so so it was really nice to show them you know and give them faith that maybe your, their son could like live off of this and and uh, things like that so that's how, how it started for me
1: 100 yeah, and it's important to know as well that there's so many other career opportunities in esports that isn't just playing that you could go yeah. on to do as well afterwards did you carry on your studies or did you uh, cancel at that point
2: no i i canceled my studies because i wanted to i i, I felt like i had to give 100 percent to to um, yeah. to one thing you know I, I i respect people who honestly who can like do both i have ma- enormous amount of respect i think that's really hard like mentally um, yeah, so so yeah i i had to cancel it.
0: I had the question with regards to the contracts because I know, like in esports, sometimes it can be a bit like a a topical issue in terms of, like, you know, teams, you know, sending contracts and maybe you're, you know, too young. I know at the time, you know, young players, when they're faced with contracts, they don't know what sort of the terms and, what was that like? Did you sort of make sure? Did you get someone to sort of read over it maybe, like your parents or, or something like that? Or
2: when, when I look back at it, uh, I think I, I was quite lucky because it's a Norwegian organisation and yeah. in Norway, we have strict rules when it comes to these things. Uh, I know players have been screwed over by contracts and I know that in international teams, it's, it's different. You know, I've played for international teams and I've played for Norwegian teams and you have like these kind of security nets. Um, uh, basically, like I have now when I'm currently benched at my own my, my team, it's uh, like they cannot just cut you cut you off and like okay you don't see a salary you're you're done like find something else I have a house I have bills to pay everything you know yeah. so um, you know loss and everything I, I didn't read it at the time uh, like I didn't do it properly I of course I just read the numbers and everything like how long it is and my salary and everything like this um, and the rules kind of um, but yeah I, I've learned you know during my time in esports that it is a it is a brutal kind of um, um, environment because it's it's competition. Like there's always going to be players that are maybe younger than you, better than you, um, and and everything. So um, I'm very really lucky with that first one because it was a Norwegian team. Um, so I was like secure in that in that uh, type of way. So but I know players, you know, 14, 15 years old. I think you do need consent from your parents. I think they need to sign it with you. Uh, I didn't at the time. I was 19 or 18. I can't remember. Yeah. I think I was 19. So I think I think we're getting there. There's more and more agents and stuff as well that take care of players, which is good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're definitely getting somewhere.
1: Mm. I had a question about the contracts and sort of how frequent roster changes are. And if a team sort of wanted to have a roster change and sort of move you on to bring in someone else, I know in football, like they had to sort of pay that person out of their contract if they're to sort of release them. Or yeah. they try and force like a mutual sort of agreement yeah. where like you move on and it's best for both parties. Like which I I think if an eSports orc was to do that to a young person, they'd sort of feel quite intimidated to oh, yeah. agree to the mutual consent. Yeah. Um I don't know whether like you've experienced anything like that, um, or or you know of anyone. And, yeah, what's your experience? experience
2: with that i've had i have i've had good and bad experiences um you know the first team i signed for nordewin it was all good in the beginning but i think it, i i learned really quickly that it's a business and when it comes to changing players i think it's a bit more difficult in in uh, esports uh, like in counter-strike than it is for football players i think but yeah. obviously obviously people are protected um and when it comes to um the type of uh when you like getting moved on or maybe you like when I uh, played for Nordewin and I got picked up by Dignitas an American organization they, they paid basically for my release clause which is yeah. like similar to football yeah. and then they could directly talk to me and everything like this uh, when I get benched it's really normal to have like um, three or six months depending on how long your contract is if you have a one year contract you have three months um, I don't know how you say it but it's the after payment like your salary those three months after you get benched those three months you will still receive your salary until you find a new team yeah um, but as well, uh, esports teams have to like protect themselves as well because if it goes wrong, you sign a player and you're stuck with him and he has a big salary and you have to move him on and you have to get a new player as well. So, uh, for example, I had a, this international contract in Dignitas where it was like a six-month trial period in your contract. So within those six months, they can basically terminate your deal at whatever time they want for no whatever reason it may be and that's it you're out you don't get money you don't think anything but if you pass those six months and then they want to bench you you get those three months or six months depending on how long the contract is with after payment you know so you have something um yeah that's how people do it like i understand it i think it's brutal sometimes especially my first time i i had to move to oslo um and i had a salary and then i had to pay rent Uh, you know so you live on a fine line and um uh we were going through some changes and stuff we didn't really know what was happening and uh, i was at home at the time uh with my parents um because this flat we were renting it was me and the coach of the team and stuff and it was like i was asking them because we didn't know what was going on i was asking them should i come back to the flat with, with all my stuff or should i just leave it there and you guys are going to build a new team or whatever you're going to do you know and you, got the, you get the message like yeah just come over um we'll talk about it the next days and you know i move all my stuff you know my dad rents a car and everything we go up and the next day they say like yeah you're not gonna play anymore for the team and that's like i just went there for a day it's like this it's like brutal in some kind of way and like some people that i I understand it in one point like it's a business like it's money it's not uh, it's not just anything but sometimes it really does suck but that's what i signed up for i guess
0: Yeah, I guess it's sort of like like a lack of professionalism. Would you say? Yeah,
2: yeah. It was early for that organization as well. Like they hadn't been in the game for so long either. And yeah. yeah.
0: And I think just esports in general, like it's gone, it's grown so quickly and maybe too quickly to like yeah. have the structures behind it to support you know players, coaches. Yeah. Yeah, know, it could be. Yeah. Organ. So yeah, it's it's, it's a tricky one. Here. I think it's a huge responsibility that they
1: have, especially the higher ups though to sort of you know they're making a lot of money they need yeah. to be able to support you know the people who are actually doing the work yeah. behind the
2: scenes yeah yeah it's, dif- it's difficult when you're I'm, a t- I'm the type of person that i build uh, connections with people like i get emotionally attached to for example this team and this club like you were out uh, living in oslo you're going to the office seeing them every day they become part of your routine and your, your kind of life and you look at them as like colleagues of course but they're like your friends and they're you know you have a bond with them you talk with them every day about lots of different things and then one day it could just snap like that because of a business decision or you know which which you can always respect there is no problem you know uh, if it's a valid reason everything that there's absolutely no problem uh, with being changed or substituted or whatever it may be but just the way sometimes it it pans out is it's not it's not good yeah yeah
0: okay i have a question so that sort of um so you were sort of in a, a gaming apartment, like gaming house? or sort of,
2: No, the- it was basically just a flat. We rented together, yeah. me and the coach. Um, we just yeah. rented together. It was close to the office. So we went to the office every day and played f- yeah. from the office, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm curious because I know some teams, they all live together. For example, like the coaches live together and all the players live together. And, yeah. and it must be so difficult to just be nonstop together. So you're, like, you're yeah. competing and like after work, essentially, you're still seeing the people that you're you know competing with. And yeah. It's hard to like, you know, Build that sort of cohesion between the team, but how do you do that? Because maybe not, you don't want to see that person, you know. (laughs) Yeah, "Yeah, Yeah. sometimes you need a break, (laughs) you get
2: sick of each other. I understand, like, we've had this topic many times. I think recently in my club, now we even had the um, had a chat where they would they would um. Help us if we wanted to, we could have that solution where we would all live together um you know obviously pros and cons, like maybe you build a closer team bond like a, like you know there's many pros and cons to it, uh as you said, like you get sick of each other like you're living on top of each other, you play every day like it's too much, you know, yeah. um especially when it's like a competition like the environment is really is really rough sometimes as well, maybe sometimes it's not going well um. And then it's easier to maybe like, okay, I'm just gonna go chill with my friends or my or my family, just to like take your mind off and you refresh for the next day and stuff like this. So, yeah, yeah I think it's for some teams it might work, um, for some not. So,
1: yeah, because I can imagine like. Um non-performance sort of uh, arguments could take yeah. into into the performance like uh what's yeah. up and things like that yeah <laughs> yeah no
2: that that that's like really really a good point like 100 yeah, yeah. percent, people can get caught up in those things yeah
1: um but yeah no in, in terms of like um roster changes and things like that obviously it can happen very quickly very often um how have you found roster changes? Uh, either people coming onto your team or you going to a new team. How do you adapt um, the best you can? Yeah, What's sort of been your experience with roster changes?
2: Uh, well, I think it's... Um, it's uh, I have had a lot of different experiences. Uh, the first one was definitely not good, but it was... Uh, I could understand the, the decision, you know, the, to change me and to change up the team. It's all, it's all fine. Like, those... Like, sporting decisions are easy to 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 look back at and like be yeah it was probably the for the best you know so um i've had different different types of um um you know when i when i got bought out of my contract was really like the the best moment um and that's how that's how it kind of i found a good way of um Esports, when it comes to getting picked up by a good team and by a big club and stuff, yeah. Um, So that was a really good experience. Then it's then it's the you know when you get benched or when you get kicked or or replaced obviously it sucks but you have to kind of look back at it and think not only from your own perspective but but from the other other side's perspective and try to understand why it happened and what you could have done differently and take it with you for for, you know for the future so you can change stuff and if you want to change and if you need to change things or or if you stand on what you've always been been doing you know so i think it's different for for every time so
1: okay yeah, um, so I wanted to talk to you a lot about your situation at the moment. Um, what sort of the update with that? Because obviously I messaged you when you put that tweet out. Yeah. Um, what sort of been the update? How are things going? Um, yeah.
2: Well, currently I'm just looking for a team. I'm trying to like uh, contact people. You know, try to listen if they need something, need a specific type of player, play style, or whatever they need. Um, obviously, I'm very flexible. I've played played this game for a long for a long time now. I, I know what what I need to do um I'm confident in my own abilities you know I know what I can bring to teams uh, what I've done before and and what I still can do so it's just trying to find the right fit um, and uh, yeah staying in staying in shape in in game playing playing is really important um mm-hmm. and it's important also to not be that long away from the from the game because the meta changes a lot you know new stuff there's a new map out now and um, and yeah, so I so I just got uh, benched n- now in November from from my previous team Triple Seven. It's okay. a Norwegian team uh, which I joined a year ago. Uh, they were basically um, I joined them from this American team uh, Dignitas. Yeah. So I took a quite a big step down to try and um, try and help them uh, build something special. They hadn't won the Norwegian league, for example, and to be honest, they were not even known uh, to anyone. Yeah. So for them to get a profile like me, who's been out and international teams and stuff like this I think it helped them a lot obviously we did well uh, in the start did some changes again um, which were you know needed they, I felt like they listened to to my input and the, the valuable things that I learned and we communicated well and we built a good team went on some runs uh, but sh- you know slowly but surely we stagnated and we hit hit a rough patch try to change things again didn't work um, and then in the end it just you know doesn't work anymore and they feel like it's better; they're better off without me, and something you have to respect, you know. Um, and that's, um, yeah, that's pretty much about it.
1: Yeah, is this um, so, so? It seems like you've gone from a real high of your career, um, and then is this your first time being benched?
2: No, I have been benched. I don't know. I think I have the world record, or at least the Norwegian record. For um, being benched. Yeah, no, I, in, the, <laughs> in this Nordman team, they benched me basically two or three times, and I came back into the team every time. So wow. that shows yeah,
1: something about your character, though. the resilience. Yeah, well,
2: and... they, they, they missed something. I think. I think in my early part of my career, I was I was basically like a like a like a guard dog. Um, they would send me in, like just tell me what to do, and I would do it. I would like second, I wouldn't question it or anything. I would just do it mm. in game and be yeah. like the guy who was kind of easy to play around and. Um, but then sometimes you have to think yourself and I didn't develop that kind of game sense and the feel for the game that maybe other players had. I just followed in their footsteps and what they told me Mm. Um, so you know when you change a player like this which I have later in my career when I've played in teams I've changed a player that is like this you tell him like do this and he does it like instantly he doesn't think for a second it's good for a team because you can play around it you can kind of use him you know as a as a as a as a tool to like uh, to play better and play, win rounds and stuff like this so i think these players are really valuable um and then after th- these times uh, you know I, th- it comes to a point where you have to like okay i have to kind of be independent now and i have to try to evolve my game and that's what i did and then i played better i i, I obviously i could still do the old things but i could do n- more things and i got picked up by um Linthos and played there and and had that um uh, had uh, had that uh, stint uh, which gave me even more experience learning from better players learning from some of the greats of the game you know you get so much knowledge um, and then uh, I, I didn't feel it was like a it was, it was a bad thing to take uh, quite a big step down and try to like implement this into Norwegian players and a Norwegian team and a Norwegian organisation because we are so far behind other countries you know so I feel like um, it was it was it was a step down a, hu- a huge step down people told me not to do it but you know I just had to try something um and i I went in there with a hundred percent belief that I could make them better um and yeah we did we did some really good stuff and we brought them basically where they are today um yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. i was uh, I was aware of seven 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 Eastwood. that's sort of where i I think I saw your tweet um because you mentioned them and uh and yeah. <laughs> I suppose I want to talk to you, I suppose, a bit more about uh, a a positive time of your career. Um, I I want to know, like, sort of where you felt you had the most success and played your best CS um, and why that was, do you think?
2: Oh, it's difficult. Um, I think I had um, some, like, spells in every single team I I was in. Um, But I think my best CS, if I look at it overall, uh, when I played in Norden towards the, the, the end when yeah. I kind of managed to put these pieces together and really just uh, uh, think and play at the same time because I thought that was really difficult in the start of my career to be like thinking about stuff and playing at the same time. It was really difficult. So um, I kind of cracked the code and I got this confidence and I played better and I don't think necessarily the team was really good, but we did like we found out ways to I would like, uh, like to call it, uh, just found ways to win, win rounds do, do stuff that Sometimes maybe it doesn't make sense, but but it works for you. I, I developed this kind of uh, understanding of the game where I had like, a lot of players around me that were that were similar to that. Like they would, um, they're flashy players which like they had like these small tricks and these type of small things that make a difference. Yeah. And I kind of picked off those things and I, I felt that it elevated my game so much. Uh, and that's really satisfying when you like take from others, um, put it into your own game, then maybe tweak it a little bit to your own liking and. So I would say, like towards the end of my Win days, obviously not after we were a dead team for a bit of a period, but when we were a team, uh, I, that's when I felt the best. Uh, maybe I didn't have the best stats, but that's when I felt the best and played the best. No, so, that's
1: fair. When I was sort of doing my research on you and looking back at your career, it seemed like that period was uh was quite successful in terms of like events and tournaments. Yeah. Um, a
2: lot yeah, we had was... we had a really big stretch of like a lot of games because in yeah. on HTV it's like past three months. Maps played, and yeah. I think we were almost at a hundred and that was like quite a lot so yeah. uh, we were just in the groove like every day was like it, there was no practice so basically the, the official games were practiced you know you learn you know oh. obviously they learn the hard way if you lose the game you you know you lost the game you can't do anything about it but in practice you know you can take it to the next okay. next practice and work on it and stuff so we had like a, a proper like a run you know played a lot of tournaments we even won a tournament online and stuff so that was definitely the the time I felt the sharpest yeah
1: yeah. Um, I wanted to talk to you about sort of the qualities you feel you have. So just from this conversation, you know, I feel like you're a very resilient player. Um, obviously, being on the bench and coming back from that multiple times, um, you have like the quality of being uh, we call it humiliter. So, you know, you were willing to do what's best for the team in terms of your role, which is uh, yeah. like a huge thing. Like a lot of people have huge egos where they feel like they have to be the sort of the main guy, uh, yeah. but for you to do basically be told what to do and just go and do it and and get on with it is a really good quality. What are some other qualities you feel you have or do you feel that you need to have to be successful in CSGO?
2: Well, I think um, you mentioned some of them. Uh, Obviously, they are mostly positive, but sometimes it it might be negative you know i i did play in the team uh as well with that Northern team where where i actually got told not to do it that much because it was basically me uh at one point i was buying like this uh i was buying the op like the most expensive rifle i don't know if you guys play a lot of CSGO. go we
1: watched a lot of it over the the weekend we don't play it but uh we need to we want to basically teach us
0: teach us yeah yeah, Yeah. yeah.
2: so 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 the op is basically the most expensive weapon and the you know usually in most teams the Oprah is the best player as well with the most impact and everything like this so i would buy this gun to him and throw it over to him and i would get this shitty gun back you know and and okay. play with that in my mind it was like i was giving my team the best chance of winning by giving the best gun to the players right. it's basically just it's basically like football you give the ball to the best player and you let him do his yeah. job you know i was basically doing that probably way too much uh, and like sacrificing my own um and that's where like the qualities of of my teammates also show when they tell me like stop doing this like you can also win us this round like buy yourself the weapon you need and everything okay. you know so so you you learn as you go but I think yeah. um, it's a big quality to have uh, like putting your team in front of yourself but as well you have to you have to be selfish in this in this um, in this sport as well really important Um, you need to be able to play off your teammates you know coordinate off them and and kind of get to know them as well as a as a person is also important you know because it could if you have a hyperactive I was really like a hyperactive when I was younger I drank a lot of red bulls before the games I was hyped you know the hype man running around it it transformed into the game because I was just running and running you know so just get to know your, your teammates and outside the game as well it's nice bonding with them and try to understand the choices they do and why they do them. So, like, you have to be able to reflect on on those things. You have to be independent. You know, you have to be you have to be a motivator as well of your teammates. There's a lot of a lot of things that that go into being a good teammate, and a lot of qualities you need to have. Um, so, yeah, there's there's so much to talk about, to be honest. Yeah,
1: you mentioned uh, the red Bulls and and, and things like that. Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk to you, sort of, how you feel. Throughout your career, you've probably refined this a lot, but how do you feel you best prepare for competition like t- sort of talk me through, do you have a routine that you go through or certain steps or things that you like to put in place beforehand, eating, yeah. drinking like talk me through
2: it yeah i think I think it's important for a player to find something <coughs> um to have something at least um uh, in the beginning, I wasn't really that um aware of it other than the Red Bulls when I was younger. Um, until there came a point where I could like feel my arms going numb from all the coffee like it, it's too much you, you, know, you know it's not yeah. it's not sustainable because you you'll just train your mind to get used to it and everything and yeah. then it's just you just come too independent but I found a way um, when I played my official games I have a book um, uh, with me and I write down the game the score everything uh, some important rounds and I write down what I did and what I got burned on maybe what I did wrong or what people. Uh, And I just store it in my book. And so when I play the next game, we usually have some kind of um, anti-stratting. Like we get some information on the opponents. I'd I'd read through that. And then I'd look at my past game, what I did, uh, because I'm assuming they also looked at us. Mm. And I'm thinking, okay, I did this a lot, this game. Let's not do it again um uh, maybe they want to like exploit it or they like are going to say that like, oh this guy does this every round these are just small things to keep your brain working and everything i i like to think a bit more ahead so when i play as well i think a couple of rounds ahead um and that's what i kind of learned during my time to like kind of ev- develop this kind of skill to think about these things because before as i said i couldn't do it it was too much for my head you know to be <laughs> playing and thinking about something else um but now I've, i felt like i mastered it a lot easier i more at ease i've played many more games you know it's experience it yeah. comes by time
0: yeah the process that you're talking through there is seems to be like self-reflection so like it's a, it's a really useful tool that like through our work with clients that we do a lot when they have like a game and we talk through that game like in a session is like what went right, what went wrong, what could yeah. and then have some action points on based on your performances. So I'm really curious to learn how did you come across this sort of strategy? Was it something that you naturally sort of did or did you see something or
2: yeah, well, it was basically just naturally. It was I didn't want to like copy someone, or not that I didn't want to copy them, but I just want to find something that works for me that felt like this makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, and it's really easy, you know. You just after a game, you're done. It Takes you two minutes just to write down the score and whatever you did, and um, you know you play positions, and you and you encounter a lot of things when you when you play this game. You encounter a lot of different different stuff from tactics from uh, teams who made make like game plans directly like if they know you're you have a weak player at some point of the map they would directly attack him a lot like stuff like this and i would just write down these things because it keeps my mind working and like it doesn't make me just go on the server and just run around and do stuff it actually makes me think about my decisions and think about what's happened and and then when you know when it works it's like this feeling of you know this is worth it and this is and that's what i got the most when i did th- this um, this type of thing
0: yeah. I had a question so we talked about sort of the qualities that you know that are important to have you know when competing in cs but what are some demands do you think um like cs brings about as a game because when we we're watching i feel like it seems to be a lot of like not guessing but predicting where the oh, yeah. will be so like the smokes you know like we can see the x-ray like obviously mm. but you know, you could see that they were shooting. They- we could- I don't know how they knew they were there, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They were shooting, shooting, and like it's a lot of predictions, it's all mind games, I feel oh. like. And you've got the other enemy like that might be flanking, so you have to yeah. make sure that you are. Oh, so, what are some demands, would you say, if, like CSCO's? No. Or you, you have you have
2: to be I think you have to be engaged in the tactical side of it no matter what you or your role is and everything which I also learned early you have to be because it's it's such a complicated game and there's so many things going on at the same time. And these smokes and everything. These are just pixels on your screen for like a second, and they land somewhere, and that's instantly your mind starts working. Like, what's the next move? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, there's so much things, and and then the opponent is also thinking that you think think about yeah. this. You know, so they yeah. throw these combinations of grenades and everything to make you think one thing. They might do something else, or they might do actually. It's so much. It's right. so it's so deep. It's uh, it's unbelievable. And that's why I think CS players in general are hugely underrated. They are. I think their brains are at the highest level, like above me, like above me, quite a quite a bit above me as well. They are so intelligent in what they do, and so they're they're so clever um, that it's it's honestly it's uh, I think I think I find it really amazing that people. I hope people with time, and I think it's coming to a point where people understand what it takes and how difficult it is to be, especially consistent at that level. And then when you think about that, you have to remember you have to click on the mouse when the people appear on your screen as well. You have yeah. to actually, you know, you have to actually be right. fast. You know, Reactions. it's 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 amazing. I think honestly, it's 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 crazy to see. Yeah,
1: I, I sort of thought thought of it as a like a chess match. Yes. Yeah. I yeah, know. for sure. It was for, really for sure. like that one move leads to another, but then you double yeah. bluff it. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: God. for for yeah. sure. And you can imagine the teams that are what I call tier one teams, which are the best teams in the world. Yeah. Your Novice, your Heroic, your NIPs, your Astralis, everything like this. These people play mostly; they play each other in the tier one scene. And they know everything about each other, you know? And that's yeah. why they're always mixing and tricking everything. And this game, I told my mother one day that um, she asked me when I was going to quit. Like, do I do have a time frame. or, okay. And I told her I was going to quit when I didn't understand what was going on on the server. So when I'm playing and someone's doing something and I'm like, what the hell is going on? That's yeah. when I'm going to, okay, maybe this is not, maybe I'm not in it anymore, you know?
0: Yeah. But surely there's only a certain amount of plays that you can put off on the maps. I feel yeah. Loud, right? yeah, there there's... is. There is. There's all these spots, you know, that you can throw nades and, you know, like it's surely there's some point where it's going to reach, you know, the, the you limit, know, right?
2: Yeah, I was about to say that this limit, I, I don't, there is a limit on different, you know, maps or what you can do, but there is not no limit to the creativity in this game. Honestly, yeah. it's, it's such a creative game. That's how it makes it so special. At least for me, it's what keeps me playing this game. For so long, and what keeps me, you know, uh, interested in it all, all the time. There's always new new things. There's always, always something, you know. So yeah, it's it's just honestly just great.
1: Yeah, sort of. This is like a reflection of DreamHack for me. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, what sort of watching CS? I thought that uh, a real big um sort of tenant of CS: GO was uh momentum. I felt like momentum played a huge part in the rounds um where teams were putting together like three or four rounds in a row and it seemed like they were just going to carry on and carry on. And uh, I wanted to know, do you think that's a huge factor, like momentum? And then if it, the other teams got momentum, how do you go about breaking that?
2: Well, that's two really difficult things, like breaking it and uh, obtaining it, like keeping yeah, it. Yeah. I, I think with, I always used to say this, with with uh, momentum comes more confidence. Yeah and confidence in this game is like it's the bed and butter if you want to like be be really good and I, I think when you string those like, three or four rounds together you think like, oh everything we're doing is working yeah. so your mind is telling you this is good keep it. Uh, you know you're just thinking that like, this is good and so i think the confidence levels will rise and confidence in this game does wonders i, I that's that's for sure the, everyone that plays this game can can say that if you don't feel confident you're not going to play very well and yeah. if you feel confident you will Probably play better than than you would normally do. It's just how how it works. So breaking momentum is also really difficult. Um, it's important to be composed. I think figure out some some kind of plans to. Uh, again, you have to reflect on what's what's been going wrong these couple of rounds. It could be that what you basically said was uh, was good, or the thing was uh, the plan was great, but at the other end you have some maniac who pulls off an insane round. You know you can't do anything about it. Like it's you have to just. Forget the round, move on to the next one. Yeah. So um, okay. that's what's so special about this game. It's like you can be as confident as you want. You can have the best tactics and everything. But if this guy decides he wants to mow you down when you come into his site or where he's playing, then you have to like you have to say fuck. Okay, we have to go again. <laughs> you yeah, know?
0: yeah. I've got another one. So in between rounds, I feel like you have so little time to reset mentally as well because your mind yeah. is focused on the currency, right? Like what yeah. guns to buy, etc. So. Yeah. yeah. How do you reset? Like it's not it's like in compared to other games. I think CS is one of the ones where you don't have time. So and we couldn't hear the comms in between. So like talk us
1: through like what's being said in between rounds. Uh yeah.
2: Oh. it's kind of chaos. And I I think um you cannot have five people that um, talk at the same time. You have freeze time, which is the dead time between the yeah. round when you're standing in the spawn and you're buying yeah. your, your stuff. And yeah. you have 15, 15, 17 seconds to think about a plan and to execute it. And in those 15, 17 seconds, you might have thought about something that happened in the last round, which you want to point out to your teammates, which is important. Like, okay, guys, he did this. Watch out, for, you know, and stuff like this. So you have to use your timeouts correctly. And you have to, this is why a team has to be kind of on the same page. So information gets, you know, thrown out all, all the time. And it's like, if you have a round where you, for example, run out with pistols and no armor, which is an eco round where you don't like do a lot of stuff, you can talk about, okay, guys, remember, this guy likes to do this. Uh, this guy is playing this position a lot and stuff. Just small things like this. And this has to stick into your mind, which is like difficult because in high-pressure pressure situations, things can, you know, you can forget information. Like, you, they yeah. go in the one, one ear and they go out the other because your brain doesn't think it's important at that point of time. So I, I think you have to you have to have a kind of um, control of your, of your thoughts, um, which also something I developed. I was usually before I, you know, I, I paid attention to everything around my screen what was on my table and stuff, but that, you know, that doesn't matter. You have to just focus on the screen what's, what's happening in front of you. You know, I got a reality reality check when I was at the LAN for the, maybe the first or second time, like a big one. Yeah. Um where I was just, like, I was so busy with all the lights and everything else. I was not fo- focused, you know? The focus is also the most important thing because you need to get all these things processed and, you know, have them with you the, throughout the whole game. Okay. So it's really difficult. It's it's total... Sometimes it's total chaos in the freestyle, I'm not going to lie. Like, in many, many teams, probably, they have some moments where it's, like, everyone's talking, everyone's saying something, someone has some kind of idea or whatever it may be, and it's full chaos. But, but I think... um you have to have um, calm and collected minds who can, you know, calm down the situation and be like, and talk about it also as well, like before you actually play games and stuff. Like in freeze time, this guy's talking. If there's something important, ask for a tactical pause and we'll talk about it. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you brought up that point about uh, the, re- the reality check at um in the lights. Like That was sort of a reflection of ours where... It's different to traditional sports where, in our sport football, um, it's sort of a structured way to the professional scene. But in esports, like, one month you could be like a bedroom gamer, and next yeah. time you're on the biggest stage. Um, and I just wanted to know sort of how you've coped. What What are some things like you've maybe learned throughout your time of going through the lands, um, and any advice to any esports players out there that might be going to that first land to to compete. Um, yeah. What would be
2: your advice? Well, first of all, I, I went to, um, I haven't been to like many big lands, like yeah. ever. I, I The first lands I had was with my friends when we, from school, when we went to like this local tournament. So we played on stage and stuff. And it was like, it was, you were kind of caught up in how cool it was and how yeah. fun it was that you forgot about. There was basically no pressure. You're just playing for fun. So there's no pressure. You just enjoy it. Uh, but the reality check came when I've basically been to I don't know f- six maybe seven months. and they're all like this Norwegian Norwegian league. When I played for Dignitas, we were supposed to go to like Flashpoint and everything like this. This is in America on the big stage and stuff like this, but it didn't happen because of COVID. Yeah. Um, so that's a shame. Uh, but I remember when you come into it's different when you come in like an underdog. Okay. Um, my first my first big one was was uh, was underdog. When you thrive off of that, you have nothing to lose. Yeah. This power, this focus, just becomes totally different. Yeah. And then I had a land where I was, I think, it was probably like a, a a big favorite, a really big favorite. Um, and I felt kind of the pressure of us having to win. Right. And I remember that I paid attention to everything except the game. Mm. And that's when I thought that I have to find some sort of way to like, no matter who the position is, no matter what the situation is, what land it is, because if I don't, it's going to bite me in my ass when I go, eventually if I go to a big tournament, so just have to be laser focused. And that's uh, kind of where this um, book started uh, with all the things, because it keeps your mind occupied. So I don't look at the lights. I would have the papers with me or, or whatever it may be. And think about that. And, I would preoccupy my, my mind with the next round, the next one after that, and yeah. think about these things instead of oh, look at the crowd, I look at the ceiling, or whatever I do, you know, yeah. because it's just taking up your space and your, your mental. Like I, I couldn't really like focus, and I was just totally lost in that. I remember that land, totally lost, and I felt the, I felt the opposition team targeting me, okay. you know, and that was like it was so rough because I couldn't get out of the the bubble I created for myself, you know. Mm. So really- that was a wake-up.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, amazing that you sort of come up with that strategy. It seems like you have a, like a, a good knowledge of um, sort of our field, like psychology. Um, have you ever worked with a sports psychologist, or do you have any experience learning about psychology? Um, because that's like a that's a very common sort of strategy that we put in place with uh, clients, like focusing on performance-related uh, things rather than non-performance-related. Uh, yeah, and, and getting caught up in it. So have you had any experience? with,
2: with yeah. yeah, we had the, in my first team, Northern, we had the sports psychologist. Uh, now in the end here, with, when I played for Chippa 7, we had some conversations and I, I think it's um, it's nice um, to talk to someone about your things. Mostly in Norvin, it was about venting my problems, my, my like feelings yeah, and stuff yeah. uh, with issues I had uh, and how to like kind of handle them. Uh, and then there was a point uh, where I th- had to find uh like things before the game like throwing a like a stress ball at the wall and like thinking about other stuff you know yeah which is which i i used the method for like one or two days but i felt like there was something else i could do f- for myself that i felt would be better you know they so i tried to uh, yeah. yeah so i tried to like find my own kind of twists and to it and i think i suppose i could just can help a lot especially in this game because people use their brain and it's like people people ask me every time my friends like why are you not coming out with us after you, you know practice and stuff and I'm like my brain is cooked I can't think like I can't do anything like yeah. I don't I don't want to get up from my sofa or my chair or whatever uh, because it's just so draining yeah, yes, it is. Um, uh, and people don't understand but it's like one day that probably like the normal people the normal people the people that don't um, you know understand esports and stuff and what it, what it brings uh, but yeah like I think it's great for for people to find their own methods and obviously get help from the psychologists and uh, I think even the venting helps like just telling people how you feel and not like having to think that they're in the team or that they're you know have something to to do with with, with them so I think it's uh, it's good for people I think it should be like I don't think anyone should be like uh, an organization should come like you have to use our sports psychologist you have to have uh, this and that I don't think anyone has to but if you feel like it then you should do it you know
0: yeah and I, it's interesting that what you said, because, you know, as sports psychologists, we will have different approaches. So if it doesn't work with one specific sports psychologist, yeah, the yeah. players, they shouldn't be discouraged and sort of, you know, assume that all sports psychologists are going to be like that and it won't work for them. I think it's just a trial and error process, finding yes. what's right for you, finding the right fit for you, the right style. Um, for example, myself and Oliver, we have completely different styles, but, you know, that's how it is. Yeah. yeah. It might fit better for one player and, and not for the other, so absolutely. Um, That's why I think we're a good combination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of uh, different, well, not different views, like debates, and you know we yeah, challenge yeah. each other, so it's it's nice, you know. So um, yeah, it's a nice message to sort of promote, I guess.
1: Yeah,
2: hundred yeah. percent.
1: And sort of on that point of um, you mentioned like not going out after and your brain being sort of fried. I can totally relate <laughs> to that, but um. I wanted to sort of know how you sort of disconnect. Um, Do you play like other games, or do you do any other activities um, that you helps you sort of disconnect from esports?
2: Yeah, well, I um, kind of when I started playing, I there was many hours behind the the PC. You know, um, the glasses came from that. uh, Some extra kilos came here and there. You know, it's it's like this. Some something to sacrifice. uh, Also, time with friends and everything like this so you know now i live i live pretty close to the woods i still live at my child uh, childhood um, like place the town so (laughs) i take a walk out fresh air um obviously my sister has kids and everything and that's you know obviously something that takes my mind completely off gaming so that's great Uh, sometimes i might over some friends um that i still have contact with and everything so so it's like it's like this for me also play some other games with some other friends I have many friends that play video games, so that's kind of my way of of, of just switching off. But I, I think I never kind of really mastered the way to switch off completely because when I do these walks I'm thinking about the game. Yeah. Um and yeah. But, but yeah, it's I think I think that's the most difficult part for me to switch off because it's basically been my whole life for been my whole life for six years. It's been my whole life after school after I finished yeah. school. I feel like I lived two lives. So I lived this life up until I finished school, and then after I've just lived in this bubble of of playing the game and just um, yeah, okay. being a professional counter strike player,
1: yeah I- I'm interested to know, um so you mentioned like a lot of time behind the the, the screen and uh, the things that came with that. Um, I'm interested to know your thoughts on sort of something that we've thought of recently about obviously it's common the grind culture in uh in esports um and i thought sort of about reframing what grinding actually means rather than yeah. just time played on, on the game um yeah. we can we can add other things into grinding things like exercise things like self-care uh yeah. analyte like, like goose breeder uh who we had on, on the podcast she was mentioning that she spends a lot of time now not not playing, but analyzing performance, analysing yeah. the best players in the game. There's so many other things you can be doing to grind. Because yeah, ultimately grinding's part of my identity. Like I love to know that I'm I'm working hard. Yeah. But can I be working hard smarter? You know? Yes. Yeah, and things no, like definitely. exercise and self-care. I feel like it's essential and it's only gonna benefit your performance. I feel like playing so much it can, like it is gonna benefit to a point, but then it's only gonna hinder it. So yeah. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I, yeah,
2: yeah. There's there's many young players who ask. Uh, I was at this local land and they're like, uh, like, what, what, what should we do to, to be better? And it's like a lot of them, are like, I play Faceit, like this platform. I play Faceit oh, yeah. 10, 10 hours a day. Like, I can't get a team, and all these things. And like, it's. Fu- I also did this when I was younger. Like, I did play those twelve yeah. hours. I was just pugging and stuff. But at one point, it comes to a point where you don't get anything out of it anymore than than just the match training. Okay, you you feel crisp and you feel fast and you feel um you know prepared in that sort of sense but like you said with gooseberry we doing like when you when you get older as well and we get more experience you find other ways to work smarter as well than yeah. just like putting in the hours like that but this other way is also putting in hours but it's it's in a different way which can benefit you hugely like a massive amount. Yeah. Um so like I, I find out found out later in my career that playing a lot of deathmatch like warming up and stuff didn't work for me because yeah. it, it first of all it's tiring to do it like every day and your arm gets um, gets tired and everything like this and then i found other ways that i could combine it so i pay a little bit of it of course because you like have to obtain it like to a certain level yeah. but then you do other stuff that will like you know just give you an edge on, on different things like mentally like in your head like these things with the book and everything like this because it makes you think i, I don't think about my crosshair where i'm placing it if i know what i'm doing if I'm, I'm in total control of the situation in my mind, then obviously this will go by itself, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's really important that the, the grind is not... That's what I tell them. Don't play like... You can do it sometimes, of, of course. If you, if you find a friend, you have a couple of friends, you play like these pugs and stuff, sure, like, do it. But if you want to get better and improve, which is the main goal, if you want to kind of make it as a player, then you have to find these other different type of methods and, and tr- at least try them. Maybe it works for you to play ten hours of that much every day. Of course, you're gonna be fast, and then you get into a team, and then you learn the other other stuff. But yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. No. Thanks for that. I think uh, <laughs> that that should sort of be a clip in itself uh, for any young esports players out there. Um, but yeah, sort of coming to, towards the end of the podcast now. I sort of um, wanted to ask you, you know, what's next for you? Then, like, what, what sort of your goals going forward? Um, and yes, yeah, so I suppose, where do you see your career going?
2: Well, I'm hoping to continue as long as I can. I, I just love this game and I'm so invested in it. Um, uh, mentally, everything, I, I just live and breathe this game. So uh, I would just love to, to find a team with, with motivated individuals who would push me to become better so I could push them to become better and we can become a good team. Um, and I want to achieve something that can like put a stamp on my on my career. Nice. Um. You know, in in Norway, we don't have that many uh, great players. Uh, we have a couple. You know, we have some some names that have achieved things like been to majors and won majors. You know, with Rain who won it. We have you know players that have played abroad. You know, I've achieved that as well. But I want to like put my stamp on it. The major is the biggest thing for a Counter Strike player to yeah. get your own sticker, like you be immortalized in the game. Like all my friends would like put them on their weapons and everything. But that that's like the uh, the goal, the end goal. I think. If I don't achieve that before I retire in 10-15 years, or whatever it may be, then then I will be disappointed. It doesn't matter what other people think. If they think that, you know, us Norwegians in our in our scene, they have a little bit of a mentality where the smallest things, you know, makes them think we have achieved something. Like winning the national league is like huge um, for Norwegian players. Of course, it's a, it's it's huge, but like in terms of achievement, it's just a stepping stone to to where I hope they want to be. Because it's not something to obviously you can be proud of it and and stuff like this it's it's a, it's a great great tournament to win but it's not the pinnacle it's not the not the top we need more people to push push up there and then we need people that know about the game uh, that are a bit older like me and the other players that have been around a bit more to like pass on the knowledge and they need to like kind of take it in and try to even use it like it is or like do their own little twists on it and and tweak it so uh, so yeah
1: okay I, 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 hope you, I hope you achieve that and I feel like uh, based on our, our chat today, I have no doubt that it will happen. I feel like um, a lot of the qualities that you possess based on the experiences you've told us have been, uh, yeah, it should put you in great stead to achieve that. Um, we have sort of a final sort of segment that we do uh, on this sort of eSports season that we're doing yeah. um, where we ask the previous guest to ask you a question and they don't know. We didn't tell them who the next guest was. Oh, okay. Uh, and then you have to ask them a que- a question, the next guest. Um, okay. So from Jim, who we had done before, who was a Rocket League coach, um, yep. he said, what do you value most in a coach or support staff?
2: Ooh. Uh, well, I've been lucky to have um, coaches in all my teams, uh, good and bad, for different yeah. reasons. So I think a coach... Um, the best qualities, I'd say, uh, someone who's a leader, uh, who's a, not afraid to stand up for, for all his all his players, and someone you can talk to about anything. Um, I had a couple of couple of those, you know, great great coaches, nice. um, and yeah, just people that I need to that I need to have a respect for and, and feel like they're they're um, they're generally interested in in the best for you and everything like this. So, nice. um, so yeah,
1: I like that. Yeah, sort of uh, see you as a person as well as a player
2: yeah yeah for sure
1: okay and then do you have a question for for the next guest or do you want to sort of sit on it and uh and let us know
2: no i have it i have it um i thought about it and i wanted to ask the next person um who their sing like the the most influential uh, either person was in their career um or in their life like in general
0: yeah, okay. I love yeah. it. That's a good yeah, one. that's nice. I love this segment. Like, it's really cool to you know link all the different guests and all the different yeah. game titles as well together because yeah. you can get such sort of different responses. So. For sure, for sure, guys. It's yeah.
2: actually a good, good, yeah. a good way to end it as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But no, it's um.
1: Thanks so much for coming on and sharing some time with us. Um, no problem, guys. For this podcast, to have like huge effect and sort of um, helping you get to an, another team um, hopefully we hope to see you playing back soon um, I can't wait okay. to sort of follow your career <laughs> moving forward now uh, we're heavily invested in CSGO yeah, nice. play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah we need to get on but, good, um, good. but no thanks so much for coming on thank um, you guys as well
2: really thanks for the opportunity no. and I'll talk to you guys probably again
1: yeah, awesome. sure. so, yeah, All right, I'll, uh, I'll quickly do this outro. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I this in a while. So, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you could please share this with your friends or someone you feel will benefit from it. Most importantly, like, subscribe, comment down below any questions or guests you'd like us to get on in the future. Also, go follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Links will be in the description of the YouTube video or find us at Master in the Mind podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.